Welcome to the fifth edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. Yes, we are five episodes in now, and it's just been a blast just getting to talk to some of the Dynasty Command Center team members, and some of which I knew well already, some of which I, I haven't just yet really gotten to know. I mean, we're all in the, our, our Slack channels, all in the, the DM groups on Voxer, all over the place. I feel like there's a billion chat apps, but... You know, it's just been great to get to know some of our people. And if you're unfamiliar with the Dynasty Command Center family of awesome things, as I, I tend to call it, we, uh, you know, you can check those out at DynastyCommandCenter.com. We do have a premium Slack where we've got several channels that are really focused on, you know, specific subtopics within the fantasy uh, football spectrum. We've got our fantasy football roster analytics, you know, rookie guides that uh, we're super excited about and already working on the second edition of in this off season. Even some best ball league stuff too. And uh, like I said, every week we're going to have some DCC Dynasty Command Center staffers kind of come on this podcast and join me. And last week we had Curtis Patrick and Ryan McDowell. And this week I'm joined by again Curtis Patrick. Uh, but we're actually, you know, joined by Scott Connor as well. You can find them on Twitter at CPatrickNFL and Charles Chill FFB, if you aren't already following them, of course. And they are two of my favorite people, just great fantasy football minds. And uh, you know all, you know, you all know Curtis from previous episodes. But Scott, this is your first time joining us, uh, fifth episode here. How's the Dynasty offseason treating you? Well, it's been good. I've been uh, always listening to a ton of different podcasts, trying to take in as much real NFL info and draft info that I can over the last couple of weeks uh, after the fantasy season ended. Uh, but since then, I've also been trying to you know get in that Slack channel and continue to grind on some of my rosters, uh, mostly focusing on you know who to kind of keep uh, an eye on for the off season. A lot of my leagues still have waivers that are still open, so trying to figure out who to pick up, who to drop. And also trying to make some trades, but at this point, uh, we're kind of in that, that trade period where there's a lot of players that are really hard to trade because uh, it's hard to buy or hard to hard to sell based on uh, really not knowing where their price is going to be. So it's kind of tough to get deals going, but other than that, just enjoying the uh, playoffs and taking up as much uh, NFL information as I can get my hands on. Awesome. Well, glad to have you and glad to have Curtis back and uh, always good. I mean, that's two weeks in a row. I don't know how we're going to get by and get through this. And you actually look different. Than you did just Saturday. I was just commenting on how how dapper you look without uh, the the facial hair going on. It's really it's really still throwing me off. Man, I was just impressed with uh, everything that Scott said he's been doing this off season. I'm just bundled up, ready for the polar vortex to hit Ohio. Uh, it's all anyone's <laughs> talking about. Evidently, global warming is no longer a thing per POTUS. So, man, it's it's, uh, it's a wild start um, outside of the fantasy football world. But I made my first major trade of the Dynasty offseason, which is cool. I'll just drop that here real quick. We don't have to cut it up. Um, but I traded Jarvis Landry and Vance McDonald in a tight end premium league for Corey Davis, the 204 and the 211. Uh, and so that, that was a good move for that team, I think. I gave myself a little bit of upside with those picks. Really looking forward to hitting some home runs on the second rounders in this 2019 class with our Dynasty Command Center rookie guide. So, uh, yeah, yeah, haven't done quite as much as Scott, but feeling pretty good about my offseason so far. <laughs> yeah, Scott, you're staying busy. That's a, that's good to hear. And I, I like that trade for you, Curtis. I think uh, we were talking about that and kind of how Jarvis Landry and Corey Davis are 
kind of similarly valued right now in, in terms of uh, just neck and neck. So the the picks versus Vance McDonald, I think that's that makes that, that trade fun for you. Get a couple more shots at this wide receiver class. So that uh, that should pan out okay. But we're not going to spend all, all of tonight's episode breaking down Curtis's dynasty teams, I promise. We're actually going to be getting to a topic uh, called, I like to call it just the new elite. Uh, it's like a mini series, basically uh, looking at the new elite running backs. And next week we'll hop into some new elite wide receivers. And now what does that mean? Basically, you know, every every podcast likes to spend some time talking about their sleepers, talk, talking about the players that you know you might not know how to value. They're way down the line in average draft position. You know, maybe they're not worth the most uh, in terms of uh, their dynasty value. But I think the the big name players, the elite options, the the anchors of your fantasy football roster, those those players can actually be some of the toughest to properly gauge their value. How to actually trade them if you need to. Like how do you how do you value someone who's maybe just one tier down uh, in value? Like how do you value uh, uh, players one tier down at another position? But we won't kind of do cross positional analysis this week. But we just want to take a look at who should be elite, who should be the players that we're considering the anchors, the the backbones of our rosters, and and uh, who are the players that could enter that tier? Who are the players that are just one step down that we need to probably uh, just take a good look at what their value looks like right now. And and a lot's changed in the course of a season, so it's it's time to kind of recalibrate our, our view on our top veterans before we kind of dive into rookie mode for forever and forget about our actual rosters and uh, and kind of overvalue rookies for the next three months. But before we do that, Curtis, uh, how about a quick word from our very special podcast partner, FFPC? I'm pumped to talk about this, Travis. Our friends over at the FFPC, they're the world's largest dynasty league commissioner, and they have dozens of orphan dynasty teams for sale right now. In these leagues, some of these teams start as low as $77 and go all the way up to $2,500 entry annually per team. Many of these squads are in great shape, ready to compete now, and those that need some work are discounted accordingly. If you're a true diehard who's ready to start drafting for 2019 right now, the FFPC Best Ball Leagues are already drafting, starting at just $35 per uh, per entry fee. Go to myffpc.com, that's M-Y-F-F-P-C.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. As a special bonus, all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center Slack also get a $30 league credit, and you can apply that towards any Dynasty League startup in 2019 at the $77 rate or higher. So, Travis, let's kick it off with some of the elite running backs. Yeah, let's do it, because I, I think it's it's really funny. I mean, we, we were all excited about Saquon Barkley over a year ago. I feel like 15 months ago, after he had the blow-up just explosion against the, uh, I guess it was Iowa, kind of in, in a primetime slot, everyone was like, well... I guess it's all over. Saquon Barkley's the 1.01, and the hype just grew and grew. And by the time, you know, the season started, he was basically a first-round startup pick, and he's already kind of thrust himself into that discussion for running back one overall. And so I was trying to think who would even be in that tier with him. So feel free to either one of you just tell me when to stop. I'll, I'll include some guys who I think are probably also in that conversation. We'll and we'll talk about. Uh, you know the the various tiers of what we might consider elite on this week's episode but uh, so Saquon Barkley may be the first overall pick in most startup drafts this offseason 
But let's just go down the list a little bit. And I'm sure we haven't faded Todd Gurley too much due to the playoff usage. But let's just say Todd Gurley. And let's just say maybe Christian McCaffrey. Um, let's just say maybe uh, Alvin Kamara in that same tier. Ezekiel Elliott maybe even in the same tier of consideration of, of those guys. And then I think this is this might might get some disagreement here, but Melvin Gordon even in that same conversation. I'm stopping you after Zeke, but I'm gonna add a, a qualifier at the top, man. I I think Saquon's in his own tier. Um, it's not the same type Whew. of drop off. Yeah. Uh, from one to two, as we're gonna see from two to three, um, but I th- I think he's truly um, as the most valuable um, asset in all of Dynasty right now. I think he's deserving of a tier unto himself. Um, and that's what I would propose. But I, I really like um, Gurley, McCaffrey, uh, Kamara, and Elliott um, as that almost like a 1B. I don't even think it's fair to call them two. But they're just a step below, and I would value all of those guys fairly uh, closely to each other. What do you think, Scott? Actually, I completely agree with you, but I would actually take the tier and break it up. I think Barkley has... He cemented himself as running back one and the number one overall player in Dynasty uh, pretty easily. I remember last year, uh, a lot of people saying, well, you know, you take him in the first round of a startup and it's going to be really hard to make a profit. But we saw with his performance this season uh, on a, in a bad situation uh, that he distanced himself from everybody else. And it, it's hard to ignore uh, some of the stuff that's happened with Todd Gurley in the playoffs. Not that that you know, should really hurt his fantasy value a whole lot. Uh, but I've done two startups already this year, and Barkley has been the clear 101 uh, in both of them. And also, I think there's there's that factor of fresh legs. I mean, I think that Barkley going into his second season and Gurley will be going into his fifth season, that that's something to consider. So for me, I know you said that there's a 1A, 1B, but to me, I think there's clearly a 1, and then there's a, a 2 uh, of, of four players after Barkley. So I think it's pretty clear that he's uh, RB1, and it's uh, not that close for me. Yeah, and this may not be revolutionary to somebody who pays attention to average draft position data super closely. But I think we have to kind of consider what would we move Saquon Barkley for if another one of these elite options are involved? Because I know I've seen all sorts of uh, trades uh, or at least offers come in in spots where I have, you know, I could let's just say Todd Gurley and, and the guy just, you know, fishing around says Saquon Barkley, but he says, you know, for Gurley and then all this other like laundry list of things that I'm required to give just to make that you know meet that gap, so it's interesting that you kind of assert that there's a, a massive gap because I think that as far as Saquon Barkley owners are concerned, they believe that there is that big gap and they won't move off that player unless they they just get a no brainer. Hey, here's half my team uh, to go with that. So it, it, it's it's interesting. I don't know how to properly value. I think uh, in my mind, like how many firsts I'd need or whatever when it comes to. Saquon Barkley for <laughs> all one of, of those them. guys. All of take them. All yeah, is that right? First. Is that what you, what you would do, Curtis? <laughs> Something to consider with the the price on Barkley is it was so high when it started that he really has done nothing to come down from that price. So it's really hard for owners yeah. that have had him from the get go to even justify anything less than what it was a year ago uh, after he was drafted. And so it's it's really hard to see his price going down. If anything, it's just gone way up. So that's kind of why it's really hard to trade him at this point. My thing with Barkley here is that, you know, A, I'm a little sour because I don't own any Saquon Barkley shares. 
And part of that's a product because I didn't have a team in any, I, I didn't have a team in a spot to draft him last year. And unfortunately, because of the value that the 101 held in the 2018 draft, it was just too difficult for me to procure 101. Um, so I can only think about this in, in looking at that tier one and tier two. If, if, if it kind of sounds like we're all acknowledging that there's some sort of gap there. I mean, we might have a, a question about how large that gap is. I can only look at this from the perspective of on a team where I owned one of these other four backs, what would I pay on top of it to go get Barkley? And, you know, I think I might be willing to, to add like a mid first. I mean, that's actually a pretty considerable tier. Um, now that I think about that. So, you know, I think the gap between some of the other tiers that we'll get into today might be a little bit wider, but maybe for the sake of the exercise, Todd Gurley plus what? would you pay for Saquon, Travis? I think I would pay the 1.01 from this class. Wow. Okay, that's, so that, that's that, a real that, tier. That, that, I, think, I think we're in agreement. Yeah, that yeah. It's, it's a real tier break. That's a, that's a, yeah, yeah. And, well, and that's, hey, we might have to do a whole episode on that, on what you just said there. That probably, might be a whole episode. Probably. Uh, but okay, so just for the <laughs> listeners, keeping track, Barkley is tier one unto himself. Now what we got for tier two, <laughs> We've got Gurley, McCaffrey, Kamara, and Elliott. Scott and I agree on that. Travis, is Gordon in there for you? He's not. I think that there that he was – I mean, we forget that he was, like, running back three, though, when he was healthy. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, there there are a little bit uh, – there are some health concerns there with, with him. I think uh, there's evidence to suggest that he might have some problems again uh, with the type of injury. I'm not, I'm not a medical expert, but – uh, as I understand it, that's probably going to be a residual thing with him. Uh, so I think that's the only thing that, that keeps uh, me just a hair concerned with him. But his points per game this year were right on par with McCaffrey, right on par with Barkley. So he's definitely in that conversation, like on the fringe. Uh, and he's young-ish. So, uh, yeah, he's he's not quite there for me. But I, I, I really struggle to rank the four that you mentioned properly, like the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, uh, what what order? Or, or do you guys have a favorite? Like Scott, do you have a favorite that just kind of sticks out as the running back two to you? Well, I think if I had to pick the, the top of that tier, that it's definitely still Gurley, uh, and that's partially because of you know what he's done in the past. He's shown that he can perform at uh, an absolute top top tier level, uh, and also the offense that he's in. I mean, they've showed that the way that they're going to use him now that. We could be completely changing this conversation in a couple months uh, if the Rams end up keeping C.J. Anderson or bringing in somebody to play a similar role. Uh, but I still think that the the name value that Gurley carries is going to put him at the top of that tier. So kind of mentioning before about what would you add to Gurley to get Barkley, um, I'd be actually looking to do something of the opposite nature of you know trading down from Gurley and seeing if I can get one of those other three and getting a little bit on top of that, because I think in uh, perception-wise, Gurley is still ahead of the other three, but from a production standpoint from you know 2018 going forward, uh, I don't know if it actually is going to stand the same. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think, I think Gurley is maybe at the top of the tier still for me, but I'm okay if somebody believes he's actually in, in the second tier by himself and they want to come at me with Alvin Kamara plus, come at me with Ezekiel at plus, I have no problem making that kind of lateral move in my mind as far as uh, possible upside and consistent four-level production. But what about you, Curtis? Is there somebody in this tier that really stands out? Yeah, for uh, for me at this point, 
while I don't, I don't worry about Gurley the player, the Rams have gone out of their way to say Gurley was not hurt for at least the last playoff game uh, that just occurred. And so there's, I, I think you have to allow the thought in your head that with the amount of money they have invested in this player, if they want to protect their investment, that they may monitor uh, the level of bell cow that he's going to be moving forward. Now, I think he can continue in, in a best case scenario to get the lion's share of the, you know, the touchdowns out of the backfield. And he's still, you know, he's going to break some plays. You know, he, he's uh, more than capable out of the backfield. But I like in this group, Zeke and McCaffrey more than Gurley today. Because I don't think they have those same concerns about a backfield mate at this point. And if you want to talk about the receiving work, I mean, McCaffrey's floor, I think, I think anyone would agree his floor is as high as anyone in the group now with what he, what he showed. I mean, geez, I mean, 122 targets this year. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, <laughs> that's okay. 108 receptions, okay? I mean, that's free money every week. But Elliott... What's really interesting there, I mean, the team actually made good on its promise to use him more out of the backfield in the receiving game this year. Did you know that Ezekiel Elliott, his 77 receptions, is the most by any player in the Dak Prescott area (laughs) for the Cowboys? So not Des Bryant, you know, not Mark Cooper, not Jason Witten. No one's ever (laughs) had more receptions than Zeke's 77 this year for the Cowboys. And, you know, they, they have proven that they'll ride him. I like those guys just a, a smidge over Gurley. I mean, same tier. I'm not saying there's a, a tier break in there. But I actually prefer both of, both of them at this point. And, and they've got the age advantage uh, just by hair there as well. Yeah. And for me, I think just because Ezekiel Elliott just kind of uh, has made some poor decisions, I don't really want to rely on that as much as I do somebody like a Christian McCaffrey who, who hasn't had a couple of, uh, you know, suspensions and questionable off-field behaviors going on with him. So I, I tend to actually want to target Chris McCaffrey, partially because I just don't have enough shares of Chris McCaffrey. But, I mean, also because, I mean, he's he's been amazingly effective, has no no backfield make, like, like you said, and had 124 targets, 170, not 170, that would be unbelievable, 170, 107 receptions for 867 receiving yards as a running back. The guy almost had 2,000 yards from scrimmage this year. Just missed that mark by 35 yards. So I think he could actually be that player that takes one more step further and even hits uh, that that 2,000 mark perhaps this year. We'll have to pay attention to Cam's health, obviously, in that that situation. But I think that makes him even more so of a buy right now because I think he's still in that, that tier, but with concerns with Cam's health. You know, there's there's going to be question marks surrounding him. So he's somebody who I might be targeting this offseason because that situation specifically could make his value, uh, you know, just kind of go all over the place when it probably shouldn't. But let's move on to another tier down here. Let's just say Melvin Gordon. He might be at the top of, of the next next kind of tier of almost elite, near elite type options. But then you got players like... Um, you know, let's just say Nick Chubb, based off of his really impressive performance. Maybe he doesn't do what you want want him to in the passing game just yet. But you got Joe Mixon, who looks like an elite talent, looks like he's primed to break out. 
And then we've got. Uh, feel free to stop me at any point if you want to. If you want to disagree that any of these guys don't belong, but David Johnson, I don't think he's dropped off the face of the planet. I, I think if, if fourteen hundred yards is your down season, you're doing just fine. Uh, and let's go one more, a couple more here, maybe. Le'Veon Bell, if he signs with a good, you know, landing spot, really anywhere, I think he's going to have a, a value boost and be in that next tier conversation. Disagree with me if you will. Uh, but then James Conner, if he is in that same situation and, uh, you know, has the, the brunt of the workload for the Steelers, is he in that conversation as well? Well, I think the uh, the tier that you just mentioned, for me, that tier starts with Melvin Gordon and then it goes down to Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon and then it stops. So I think for me, there's a pretty clear tier break. You can throw David Johnson in there uh, if you want, but he is 27 years old. So I actually would take him out of that tier. And if you actually ask me to rank those tiers, Curtis knows exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, but I think if you look at those three players, uh, I know Nick Chubb is in a good situation uh, with Cleveland, and you would probably look at Mixon's situation in Cincinnati as not being as good. But I think I think Mixon, with his receiving skills, actually has the most upside of these three players in these tiers. I think he's the only one of these three, unless Melvin Gordon absolutely repeats what he did for the first 10 weeks of this season. I think Mixon actually has the upside to get uh, up closest to uh, the tier uh, two through five, uh, just based on his usage last year. I mean, I know he got a lot of carries later in the season uh, after Dalton and A.J. Green were injured, uh, but he only had 54 targets. And for me, that's somebody that could get up there to that 80 to 90 target range especially with Zach Taylor coming in. Uh, that's somebody that has targeted his running backs heavily and, and given his RB1 a pretty heavy usage uh, from his limited time. So I think Mixon has a lot of room to grow uh, in the receiving game. And if he can keep uh, the pace that he had this year, uh, he actually was really, really, really efficient with his carries that he got. And he is definitely the goal line back. So I think he has the highest room to grow in this tier. Man, this this is a tough group here because the the key to getting this tier right is playing the game correctly on James Conner. Because I, I think I agree with you, Scott, that of the group, and we, we've put Conner off to the side here for a minute, that Mixon has the highest upside. However, if we knew today that the Steelers don't add another back next year, and if week two of the balance between Conner and Jalen Samuels is the truth and not week one, and Samuel is truly just a complimentary player, change of pace back, not getting all of the receiving work. James Conner clearly displayed that he has as much or more upside than any of those backs in this Steeler offense that propelled Le'Veon Bell to all those productive fantasy seasons year after year after year. So, and that that's really the problem for me is um, I don't think that anyone's willing to pay that type of price for Conner, a Melvin Gordon price, a Nick Chubb price. But he could finish above all those guys next year. And so you know, I'm, I'm left a little bit perplexed, and, and I wish I could say that I have it figured out. Luckily, I just already <laughs> own Connor everywhere, and I don't have to think about this. Um, if I didn't own Connor, um, I would be in a little bit of a pickle in, in terms of trying to figure this out. I, I really like Nick Chubb. I don't think he has the same receiving upside as the rest of these guys because of the way that Cleveland's calling their offense, because Duke Johnson's still there in all the games and all the work that Chubb got this year. I think Chubb only ended up with 28 targets and, you know, about 20 receptions. I don't know. He would have to pretty much triple that 
to get where we need him to get with some of these other guys. So as much as I like him, as electric as he is, I think he's toward the bottom of the tier for me with, with Mixon and Gordon being at the top and, and Connor just really being the wild card. I think everyone that you actually mentioned all the way even down through Le'Veon Bell probably belongs in this tier. You know, but I, I think after my clear top two uh, of Gordon and Mixon, I'm pretty much just going to go value hunting on the others. Same here. And I think that all these guys have unbelievable similar upside, but I think Chubb might have just the question mark with his receiving that might limit that ceiling. So he probably belongs somewhere near the bottom because I don't think that he's a guy that I feel like, oh, yeah, he could. I could totally see a 2,000-yard-plus season for him this year. And I feel like everybody else would be in the conversation. I mean, it's not probably going to happen for even two of them, and maybe not any of them. But I'm just saying that they're, they're those type of potential type players. And if, if you're going to get a, a, an age discount for a David Johnson or a Le'Veon Bell, and they're in, in you know, a not terrible situation, I, I think that I'm going to go value hunting with the older guys that I still believe are going to be immensely productive for the next three years or so. Uh, and so I think I think and Bell, however much money he gets paid, he's going to be in a situation to be the focal point and definitely you know safe in terms of they won't cut him because he's they've got they're going to have so much dead money in him for the next two three years wherever he goes that he's going to be a safer play than I think a lot of people are expecting. But um, yeah, I, I think I would have to say Melvin Gordon is still at the very top tip top of this tier. Mixon right there. And James Conner is a wild card, but he's a little bit, a little bit lower for me. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, believe that he's gonna repeat. I don't. Maybe I'm irrational. Uh, maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Maybe I just wish I had more shares. Who knows? But before we uh, sign off on this podcast, uh, you know, there's probably a, a pretty large tier that we won't go into tonight of players that are just outside this discussion. If you look at average draft position data and we, we kind of have some, we get, we kind of mentioned all the guys that uh, are, are the, are at the very top and we, we generate some average draft position numbers uh, with our DCC Slack uh, group and uh, just great staff here. But I think there's a huge, huge tier if, if there's any one running back, Scott, that you thought would jump into the elite mix perhaps after this season or even early in on, on this year, on 2019, who would be that guy for you? Well, I think there's only two answers to this, and I'll name one that may be just outside of most people's top 13, top thir- top 14, uh, and I think it's on Johnson. Uh, I think with the, the change of the offensive coordinator, bringing in Daryl Bevel, and what on showed last year, I mean, he showed a three-down skill set. Uh, and the Detroit offensive line uh, is actually one that I project to be pretty good uh, going forward. It was actually pretty good this past year, uh, but it should be even better next season. So I think that that is a guy that you can probably uh, get valued outside of, I would say, most people's top 13 or top 14 that has a chance to crack this top 10. Uh, with uh, his receiving skills. Uh, so I think that's that's somebody I can see moving in. Now there's still a lot of question marks. We still don't know uh, what exactly that offense is going to look like. And Carryon Johnson does have some significant injury history too, so that's something to keep an eye on. But I would say Carryon Johnson for me. Nice. Love to hear that. A lot of people don't know that Carryon Johnson, you know, he actually led all Auburn 
running backs with uh, in receptions as a true freshman, uh, but he didn't really lead as a runner till later. But he's been a, a really solid receiver since high school, so I think he has that similar upside and and a situation where he's going to get a lot more carries this year for sure. But Curtis, who would be your guy if not carry on? Okay, going outside the box here, boys. Got to bring some value at the end of the pod. A little sensationalism. It's Kareem Hunt, <laughs> Philadelphia Eagle. Yeah, that is that is Ooh. the player. Um, that is the player that that could could wreck it. Uh, we've we've seen it from before. I think people are down for multiple reasons on Kareem Hunt, but there's not really any basis for the league to do much more than the six to eight game deal next year. Uh, the Chiefs have shown that other backs could be productive in the system. That's going to cause further questions. Um, but if you believed in Hunt as a prospect, as I did, he's if he lands on any team that's you know above average, you know nine, ten win teams that can have some positive game script to where he doesn't have to have 70, 80 receptions. I mean, he's still going to be a, a key fantasy player. So, Travis, for you, I'm going to tweak this question a little bit because you know this better than any of us. If if one and this doesn't have to be your your top rated rookie at this position, but if one rookie from this class was going to be in this tier by week eight of the 2019 season, which rookie would it be? I think uh, the the hype uh, that he's already generated thus far. Uh, I don't I don't even want to say it. I don't even want <laughs> to say it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know what you're gonna say. Don't do it. I can't. He's going to do it. I think <laughs> what he wants me to say, what he wants me to say or not say is mention Josh Jacobs. Mm. But Josh Jacobs has kind of garnered all this hype here recently with a bunch of mock drafts, putting him up in, in, in this uh, elite category in this class as the obvious running back one. And, and I don't really see that. Uh, I think uh, he's not going to be the savior. We're, we're just trying to find somebody and that fits that mold, but he's really never done it on a large sample. So I can't go Josh Jacobs, even though that's the sexy pick right now. Uh, for me, it's still David Montgomery. I'm still going to hold on to Montgomery until he just flakes out and has a horrible NFL combine, you know, has some injury or something. Cause I, I, I just believe in, in the talent and what he does as a, as through contact balance as a receiver, I think he just has a really balanced game and will plug in and immediately better be better than whoever uh, he's alongside, uh, unless it's just a, just a horrible landing spot. So you know, it, it would be David Montgomery for me. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna kick it off. I'm gonna have this. You get ten seconds for this, okay? Ten seconds, and I'll tell you if your seconds. player's ineligible. So Scott, running back outside the top fifty of startup ADP, best buy right now well if you want to take the ultimate risk that they don't bring in anybody else i think that i would say i'm not sure if he's outside the top 50 i think he is i would say marlon mack uh that just a lot of questions with marlon mack there's a lot of people that don't believe in him uh, they don't believe that he can stay healthy they believe the colts are going to bring in another running back scared about other running backs which on this team you know Hines and wilkins i don't really think either of them are very good uh, so i would say that would be a guy that not necessarily going to find himself in the top 10, uh, but I think that's a really good buy. If you're someone that, you know, shoots for the moon and is going for somebody that could be a fringe RB1 without having to pay anything near that price, I would say Marlon Mack. All right. He, Love it. Yeah, Mar Marlon Love Mack it. is 54 and startup ADP. Uh, great suggestion there. Travis, same question. For me, I'd have to go with 
Man, you took mine. <laughs> Did he really? Let's just, Did he really? That's let's okay. Let's just go. Yeah, That's I really like. I really like Marlon Mack. I, I really loved his game, even when he came in. I think he actually kind of uh, profiled similar, similarly to Lashawn McCoy. If you break it down, so I, I definitely like Marlon Mack. But I'm just gonna go super homer. I don't even know where Derrick Henry is right now. But if he mm-hmm. gets the carries like he did down the stretch this year, that would be a lot of fun. I just I want my Titans to be good so badly. And and I think for them to be good this year, they need Derrick Henry to be thrust in that conversation and just have a bonkers year with with like 15 scores to just to boot. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But that's all the time we have for this week. Next week we're gonna jump into some wide receivers. This week was the new elite at running backs. Next week will be the new elite at wide receivers. So look forward to that before we you know dive into some more rookie coverage with the NFL Combine just around the corner. And again, keep in mind, you can pick your pick up your copy today at uh, the new Rookie Guide series of ours. We've already had the, the, the I don't know, like kind of pre-hype fest season <laughs> uh, version of it drop. And then we've got the post-combine edition still coming and the post-draft version still coming for the Rookie Guide series. But check that out at DynastyCommandCenter.com. $19.99 gets you all three volumes that we'll write this season. So look forward to that, and we'll see you again here soon. Bye, Damian Williams. <laughs>